Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? That's a good question, Isaiah, a very, very good question. Why do we? Why do we so often in life spend so much time and effort and so many of our resources reaching out for, striving for, attempting to gain, and at times even gaining things that when we have them don't really make our lives any richer or any better. They aren't really a bread that satisfies. I would ask. But you bought the new golf clubs? Yeah, that's, this is going to change my game. I've got them. They've got the anti-gravitational pull on them. And my golf game is as bad as it ever was. I got the new TV. 72 inches now. LED. Oh, it's fantastic. 4K. Same boring programs. <laughs> Nothing really much new. You join new clubs. You get into a new hobby. You try meeting new people. And... and Still, there's something missing. The clubs are as disinteresting as the old ones used to be. Why do we bother? There seem to be two major answers. One is that we are led astray. We are surrounded by advertising, not just on the TV or the radio, but on Facebook. And every time we click on the Internet, all around us there are voices saying, Get this! Get this! It's fast! It's easy! Right there, we should be somewhat suspicious, fast and easy, not usually great adjectives in describing major change. But anyway, if you do this, if you buy this, if you get this, if you go there, everything in life will be better. You know, take that gray out of your hair, and immediately, oh, it's, you're going to be 25 years old again. Uh, move to Maui. Get rid of the family, and you know, you, then you'll be happy. Um, take our accounting course and get the job you've always dreamed of. I always used to like that. There was an online course for fixing airliners. Now, how do you do this? You know, they put this engine, and you know, it gets dropped off in your driveway, and you work on. I don't know, but all of these promises are being made. If you want to have the good life, do this. It's, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. I think it was summed up best by a business leader some years ago who said this, I'm near the top of the mountain that I saw as a young man, and it's not snow. It's mostly salt. You know, I spent my life going to that snowy mountaintop that everyone told me I could get to. I've sacrificed all along the way, cut myself off at times from family and from friends. I've worked long hours, and finally I'm standing here, and it's not snow. It's mostly salt. The problem is that we expend a great deal of effort only to discover that we were misinformed, that this wasn't the path we should be taking. There's no inner peace. There's no sense of fullness. Or sometimes the goal is simply elusive. You know, we get some goal in our head. If I could do this, then I'd be okay. I, it's, it's sort of vague, but I'm going to pursue this particular course. Back in the early days of computer game playing, 
Some of you were here for this back in the days of Nintendo. Uh, I remember the Empire Strikes Back came out with a game. It was wonderful. On the one side of the screen, there was you in a hole on the planet Hoth with your gun. And from the other side of the screen, there came the, the At-Ats. And for those of you who aren't Star Wars people, they're those big metallic Trojan horse-looking things that shoot down. And, and the At-Ats are moving. They based them actually on elephants is the way they got the motion. Rump, rump. And you had to shoot them. When you shot them enough times, the at-hat would disappear, and you shot the next one. And then you shot the next one. Then you shot the next one. And then they came faster, and you'd shoot those. Then they came in twos, and you would shoot those. I don't actually know if the game ever ended, because eventually your thumbs would fall off from shooting, and, and but that was it. Like, you just kept doing the same thing over and over again. And after a while, the, the satisfaction, which was... Minimal, to say the best, turns out to be non-existent. We keep striving for the bigger office, the more important title, the larger income. Whatever it is, we, we keep striving for this, hoping that somehow we're not really sure in this case. You know, I don't know how exactly this makes you happier, but it must, because everyone else is going in the same direction, and then we find it doesn't really work. And sometimes it seems that these hopes we have for a, a fuller, a better life are just not real. Nobody seems to get there. Uh, what am I doing wrong? It's like the old joke, you know, you can't get there from here. And we do feel that we don't get there from here, that there's no real answer. How do we get bread that really satisfies? Listen to me carefully, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. Listen carefully to me. Listen so that you may live. I believe firmly there is a voice within us, the voice Isaiah heard, which calls us to that full life, but we have to listen really to what it's saying. With that in mind, we're going to add to our things that we carry with us on our way to Easter. We're going to add something that we need. We need that bread, that food that satisfies. So today we're going to put it in our lunch bag, which has some wholesome tomatoes. Tiny, but wholesome. Our sandwich. and our banana. We're going to be fed along the way. That's really, I think, really the central statement of faith, is that as we move through life, we're going to find, we can find, what indeed will sustain us. And I think first thing we have to do is be exactly sure what we're looking for when we look for good food, food that's really bread, that will really satisfy us. But sometimes we get caught up with vagaries, you know, things like, um, I want to be happy. Now, there's nothing wrong with happiness, but often it becomes no more than uh, a rather transient sense of pleasure. You know, I'm happy. I had uh, cereal for breakfast. I'm happy. You know, that's it. And that's, that's really not much. So we got to look behind that happiness, that, that vague term, and really get down to what is it I'm really looking for that will give me a sense of completion and new life. Love, yeah, we all need that. Security, not going to fall off a cliff. 
uh, fullness, a sensation of well-being, a sense of wholeness. Love, security, fullness, a sensation of well-being, a sense of wholeness. That's what we're really looking for. Not to have people praise us or to get a bigger job title or to have a bigger bank account. Those things may help along the way, but they're not ultimately what we really as individuals and as a community are seeking. And then we've got to approach the buffet of life with all the foods we can eat, all the things we can do, and we have to choose, as Indiana Jones learned, you must choose, but choose wisely. And there's, there's the problem. First, we've got to look at the food that's being offered and decide what is good here, what is wholesome, and what is simply noisome. Uh, what, have you ever gone into a buffet without thinking that? Yeah, you have. We all have. You know, I'm just going to eat. and It's a, it's a buffet, so I'll you know, have the potato salad, and have the macaroni salad, and I'll have the bean salad, and I'll have the carrot salad, and then... Uh, and then I, I'm going to have some of uh, the chicken. And you end up with a huge plate. A lot of it isn't really filling, and it's, it's not really very appetizing. It's sort of a large slop of everything put together. So before you get into the buffet, you know, step back and say, okay, what do I really want here? What's good? I, I don't, can't take everything. I may try. I'm going to get my $18 out of this if it kills me. It probably will. Um, for example, just uh, some of the foods to avoid, a McDonald's tomato and mozzarella with crispy chicken. Doesn't that sound wholesome? I don't want that fat burger. No, I'm going to have chicken, you know, nicely done with some good cheese on it. 51% of your daily fat, right there, one burger, no fries, no milkshake, no Coke, 51% of your daily fat, and 45% of your sodium. You're sort of embalmed already by noon, you know, you've had this. Um, so that's, uh, that's the sort of food we want to stay away from on our journey. And so as you come to a decision about what am I going to do next or what am I really looking for, you know, ask those basic questions. Will this give me a sense of love or security or fullness, a sensation of well-being or a sense of wholeness, you know? Think about things before you do them. And don't just jump in and say, oh, I'm going to do this because everyone else is and everyone else seems to be happy and that'll get me somewhere. Maybe it won't. And the second thing, you've got to assume the proper attitude when you go out because the voice assures us there is good food out there. Just listen to me. There's good food out there, but you've got to be looking for it in the right way or you'll go astray absolutely every time. Nothing worse than going to a buffet when you're full. Remember once uh, friends took us out at noon and we went to the old uh, Mango Shiva downtown where they have a, used to have an Indian buffet. You know, I had six bowls of rice and 25 bowls of butter chicken. And we went out at night and our friends said, we're going to go out, but, you know, we haven't done a buffet in long. <laughs> oh, I just can't do it. So before you, you know, are thinking about what should I eat, you know, make sure you're in the right mood. Make sure you think, all right, there's something good out there, and I'm going to find it, and I'm going to eat it, and I am going to be full. Now, one of the reasons we don't do that is we have the wrong attitude. If you wake up every morning, and I know there are people like this, and look ahead at your day and say it's going to be another miserable day at the office, 
I'm going to have another miserable day with my neighbor about the fence dispute. I'm going to have to settle with my brother-in-law about the money. So, you know, that's all I have. Every day I get up and I look ahead and it's nothing good. If that is how you get up in the morning, I will give you a written guarantee, if you wish. I'll write it out the back. What you're going to discover in life is that everything is miserable. Because that's what you're looking for. Our brain is a magnificent machine. And you can preset it. And if you preset it to look for the miserable, that's what you're going to see. I call it the red car syndrome. How many of you remember back in the early 70s when the United Church was talking union with the Anglican Church? Okay, five of us, great. Um, we were. And I bought a red car. When people said, why did you buy a red car? I said, well, see, if I become bishop, I've already got my car. <laughs> Actually, it had to do with the fact I was driving a green car, and every car on the road was green. You'd go to a parking lot, come out, where's my car? Green, 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 green. Red car. Whoa, right there. But something amazing happened overnight. Absolutely happened overnight. A majority of people in Calgary went out and bought red cars because the next day, every car I passed was red. You know, where did that come from? I've never seen red cars. Now there's red cars all over. You get to the parking lot, they're all red. What happened to the green cars? Oh, they've all gone. No, of course, that isn't really what happened. But again, I attuned my mind, red car, red car, and you begin to see them. In linguistics, we call it the repair theory. And it's why you can't proofread effectively, usually, what you've written. You can't proofread it because your mind corrects the errors before you see them. I am absolutely magnificent at writing F-O-R-M for from and talking about the untied church rather the United Church. Every time I write it, it's like that. I never see it. Because every time my mind comes to the word forum, it says, no, you mean from, and you don't see it. It's, it's just the way the mind works. So if you go into life with the improper attitude, if you go out thinking, I'm going to fail, I'm not going to make friends, I'm not going to feel secure, I'm not going to feel loved, I'm not going to feel in any way any joy that the gospel seems to promise, if you go out believing that, all you're going to see is what makes you unsecure and unhappy and miserable. So you've got to change the attitude. Listen, as Isaiah said, listen to the voice inside that is saying there are good things. You can find bread that's satisfied, and you will. You've got to be looking. You've got to be open. Something is going to happen today in the middle of your miserable life, which is good. And, and celebrate the goodness. It didn't snow this morning. You know, I came out w waiting to scrape off my windshields. It was just rain. Good, wonderful. Not big, but it's there. Look at what's happening. It's not just look on the bright side. We're talking something more, more fundamental than that. We're saying that in life there are opportunities to do things, to see things, to create things that are good and wondrous if you approach life knowing those things are there. Now that, by the way, means if you're trying new food, you may have to learn some new skills. You know, if you're at the buffet today and there's lobster, you may have to learn how to crack a lobster shell and get the meat out. It's a skill. It's an art. If you happen to be at a Chinese buffet today, maybe learn to use chopsticks. And this is the last thing I'd like to say, is that you not only need to believe that God gives good things and be able to spot them when they come along, but you've got to be willing to change in order to implement them in your lives. If you find you go through life saying, well, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried this and it didn't work. 
I tried it again and it didn't work. And I tried it again and it didn't work. No. Do it differently. If you're having the same debate with your spouse every day, change it up. You know, don't respond as you usually do. Respond in a different way. And you'll find the whole conversation suddenly comes to a grinding out. Wait a minute. Okay. We're, de- we're off the track here. Maybe we're on a better track. You know, if every time you do something you fail, well, do it differently or do something else. And, and this is what we learn along life's way. The world around you, by the way, may not change that much. But you can change with the way you see it, the way you react to it, and the things you do at times in spite of it. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to join in Christ's banquet. Listen, it's out there. There is food in the world. There are experiences in the world that will make you feel loved and secure. It will give you a sense of wholeness. Yeah, they're out there. Watch for them. They're coming. And when you find them, do them with great passion and with great wonder and expecting great awe because God is with us and works through us. Look around. See the meal. Enjoy it. Be full. And the whole people of God say, the servant's